The show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Marcus Mann. Right, thank you. It's good to be back. I am, as previously indicated, Marcus Mann. I can verify that is the truth. And I have with me today two phenomenal writers, our contestants for the battle royale that is sham fiction. First of all, I would like to introduce at five foot ten and at least five pounds, Andrew <laughs> Fightin' James Neal. Say hello to the people at home, Andrew. Hey everybody, I'm Fightin' James Neal. I was not even close with the height. <laughs> you were, you were almost dead on. Almost I'm dead like on. Five ten and a half. And the weight, well, a lady doesn't tell. Lady doesn't tell at least five pounds. At least. I think we got that much bone. At a least. strong wind would blow me away. <laughs> the willowy wisp of fighting Andrew James Neal. And, of course, his challenger today, the great, the bearded, the weighing in at least 10, 15 pounds. I'm not good with the uh, mass. And probably at least as tall as Andrew. I've seen him look over Andrew when he was behind him, so probably taller. Eric W. Carlson. Hey, that's my actual uh, middle initial. What's my middle name? Winston. Uh, let's go with that let's go with that i like winston from now on willie wonka winston all right you can stop that'd be h walker bush (laughs) all right uh and those are our contestants eric wade carlson of course you got it and that's gonna make it easier to dox all of us now so public service i am really excited today gentlemen how have you been have you been good i've been good i have been looking forward to shamming it up with you fellas it's been a while yeah, it has. It's been, it's been a minute. It's been too long. Yeah. And we've got a fantastic property. So this is a property that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I thought of this very early, maybe one of the first brainstorming sessions for the first season of Sham Fiction. And we've done this author before. We've done mm. this universe before. But mm. this is a different story. Today we are doing Marvel's Runaways. Runaways. Okay. Runaways. I, I, I have heard of this. You have mentioned this before. Of course, have not read it as the show works. Yes. That, <laughs> that, is, that is the, the premise. Otherwise, the I would be point. a dirty, rotten cheater. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I am looking forward to this, to, to, to writing this, and getting the chance to do another Marvel property. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, what have we done? We did uh, we Miss Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, that I had the pleasure fun. of doing that last yep. season, And you wrote nice. an excellent Miss Marvel, and then we did uh, some Spider-Ham. Which yeah. I also did. Pro, wait, no, that was the hit show, Ham Fiction. Ham Fiction, it was a different spin-off. show. It was, it was entirely different show, show. called Ham Fiction. S- same show. How many points do you want to lose before we get started, Andrew? Same show. <laughs> Dude, All right. Dude, I'm here. Stick it to his gun. So this is in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Ham Fiction's a spinoff of the Marvel Universe. So this is... In the comics, the same area as Wolverine and all that, but we'll get into the details of it. It's written by Brian K. Vaughn and co-created with the artist Adrian Alfona. And they did a fantastic job with this series. It's written, I think the first issue came out in 2003. 
So oh, it's okay. been a while now. So it's now. a hot new property. Hot new property. What makes it relevant to today's age is that at the end of 2017, a new show on Hulu based on this property was released. So we haven't seen that yet as of the time of this recording. But it's uh, an exciting development in the time of Runaways. So we've got the OC creator, I think, was working on that show. Yeah, that's that's what makes me excited about it. Big fan. Big yeah. Fan. Big fan of the OC. Also, Marcus says we, we're going to have to wait to watch this show that we're all looking forward to. Right. We're, we're, Eric and I are recusing ourselves from watching it right away to be able to sham it. We're very excited. That's the sacrifices that we make for you people and also, you know, for writing because this show's really fun. This is a lot of fun. We're going to have some fun today. I'm excited to share these characters with you. I've just been giddy all day yeah. thinking about pitching this. So this will be based entirely on the comic, not of the synonymous TV show. So I think it's time to get started. If we can bring so. in our timer, we can get down to pitching. All right. Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, let's jam. All right, this is Marvel's Runaways. The basic premise is we've all thought our parents were the most evil people in the world when we were growing up as kids at one point or another. Maybe they grounded you, maybe they wouldn't let you do the activity that you wanted to do. And this is what happens when that's true. So it follows a group of friends who find out that their parents are supervillains. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's really fun. It's It's a group of six kids and they would get together every year. You know, these are the family friends. So you don't hang out the rest of the year, but maybe when your parents are old friends from college, they catch up and you see them, and it's like, all right, we don't really have anything in common. You go through your own things, but it's the only people around your age at the gathering, so that's who you hang out with. That's this group of kids. So every year, their parents get together for a charity fundraiser. They like to do all their charity in secret, right? So they meet at one of their houses, and they're like, well, real philanthropy happens behind closed doors. It's not about being public and and getting press. It's about making an impact. Okay. So when the kids are all about 15 or 16, they go, you know what? I want to spy on our parents. This is really weird that they're doing this all the time. And they sneak in just to find their parents all in crazy costumes. And they're in the Marvel Universe, so they're used to things like the Avengers and the X-Men and such. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, sweet. Our parents are superheroes. And then the parents bring in a teenage girl and stab her to death on a table. Whoa. And then they you do. they nope the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> nope. They, they just nope, 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 nope. And go back and hide. Their parents hear a noise, but fortunately they've caught themselves. They pretend they're playing Twister at the time. It's <laughs> uh, a very 2003 thing to do. Yeah, very, very 2003. <laughs> so <laughs> parents get away with it, but then they start, and this is showing the dating a little bit, they start emailing each other to make plans instead of texting <laughs> of course. so that they can get together and talk about what they just saw. And so that is the situation that we're at at the beginning. You've got these six friends. They don't really like each other. They have known each other their whole lives, but they're not very close. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they're in this terrible situation where the people they thought they could trust most in the world are all dead to them, you know, because they're murderers. So, let's go into the six characters. We're going to have to go really fast through these, but it's important that we get all of them. Okay. Okay? Got it. 
And it's important to note, all of these characters have some sort of superpower, like their parents do. Oh, so okay. the first thing they do is when they get together, they say, oh, we got to figure out what's going on. They go back to their houses and they end up gathering superpowers. I won't go into all those details. They're fun to read about. But I'll tell you what their superpowers are. And because they're all teenagers, who they got the hots for? Hey. Because, you know, suddenly they all have feelings. Uh, gross. <laughs> gross. But, four all right. minutes so, remaining. Oh, gosh, four minutes. All right. So first of all, you got Alex Wilder who is the strategic mastermind. He's a young, kind of nerdy kid, likes to play online video games, and that's where he spends all his time. His parents may be the same strategic geniuses, sort of the leaders of the group. Uh, and he has the hots for young Nico, who is the daughter. She's kind of this goth uh, girl. She okay. has these magical powers that she finds out her running her family, right? Okay. So she's not herself magical, but she gets this amazing thing called the Staff of One, which is this mystical object that lives inside her body. <laughs> and so it's like a, a big staff that you can fight someone with, but it gets resorbed into her body, and it only appears when blood is shed. So she gets a cut in battle, and it says, when blood is shed, let the Staff of One emerge. This thing pops out of her chest, and she can use it to cast any spell, but only once. So it could be like caffeinate, and then you make someone really awake, but you can't use it again. So all the easy ones, they go through very quickly, like teleport and things like that. Uh, She kind of likes Alex, but she's figuring her thing out. Then you got Carolina Dean, who is this beautiful, uh, young, blonde, like, model. Her parents are big Hollywood celebrities. This all takes place in Los Angeles, by the way. Okay. Uh, And she finds out that her parents are actually aliens. So when she takes off her medic alert bracelet, which her parents said you could never, ever take off, she starts glowing. And she has, like, this sparkle, glowy thing going on where she can fly and shoot lasers out of her hands. And she (laughs) kind of has a thing. She's figuring it out. It's very strongly implied. She's got a thing for Nico. Um, And then you got Chase Stein, who's this big dumb jock. And his parents are uber nerds, uh, abusive father. So smacks him around. And, you know, Chase takes it, even though he's probably a bigger guy. Uh, but two his parents... Remaining. Oh, gosh, two minutes remaining. His parents have built all these crazy things. He ends up getting these gauntlets that can shoot fire, and he can shape it, and they're called fistigons, which is kind of neat. That's a good name. Uh, then you got Gertrude... Oh, and he likes Carolina. <laughs> then okay. you got Gertrude Yorks, or Gert, and her parents are time travelers. So as an 18th birthday present, she steals this early. Uh, they go to the 87th century and get her a genetically modified raptor that is telepathically linked to her so she can control it. Oh my goodness. That's great. And then you've got my favorite character who is Molly Hayes, who's 11. So she's very innocent and she thinks this is all fun. And they have this great gag going on in the first few episodes, or first few issues, where she keeps asking people, like, my body's changing, I don't know what's going on. And they think it's just her going through puberty and having her first period, maybe. And then we find out, nope, she's a mutant. (laughs) So she is super strong, like, could probably punch out the Hulk, one of the strongest mutants in the Marvel Universe. And after she uses her power, she gets real sleepy. Uh, So you got all these (laughs) characters, all their parents are going to be, you know, similar vein. Uh, they come up with code names at one point. <laughs> um, so Molly wants to be Princess Powerful. They call her Bruiser. Uh, <laughs> Gert and the uh, Velociraptor are Arsenic and Old Lace. So she's oh, Arsenic. Nice. Uh, oh. Carolina is Lucy in the Sky. Uh, Nico's Sister Grim. Alex doesn't get one. And Chase is Talkback. 
And so they're just trying to figure out what to do. They're on the run. They hang out in this sort of hidden cave that Chase had used to run away when he was being abused called the Hostel. So that's kind of their okay. base of operations. And their parents group, the Pride, owns all of Los Angeles. So they can't get help because the police are in their favor. They just run the city. And it's a really scary place to be. So that's the basic premise here. And it's about finding these complicated relationships and figuring out what they want to do about their parents and discovering their abilities and that they've been lied to their whole lives. It's just a fantastic Time's teen drama. Ooh, that's it. Alright. Gosh, that was a lot to cover in eight minutes. There are like a million things I still wanted to say. You did pretty well there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. I hope you have a few questions because you're going to get the opportunity to do that now. Now, before we started this podcast... I uh, consulted my psychic velociraptor to see which one of you should do the Q&A first. And Old Lice said, it's Eric's rodeo. Okay. Eric, you get the first two-minute Q&A. Andrew, we'll see you after the break. Sounds good. We'll see you in a little bit. All right. We'll get the two minutes on the clock. Two-minute Q&A begin. Okay. uh, Two-minute Q&A. So these kids, or sorry, the parents, the villains, are they villains that we know in the Marvel Universe? Are they they specific to Runaways? Specific to Runaways, they're Secret Society. Secret Society. So this is the first time we've ever heard of him. But think of it like kind of as a West Coast kingpin. Okay. sort of where Alex is playing. Sure. Or Alex's parents are playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. um, The... How do these uh, kids, how do they get around? Are they... Are they... They're the, called the runaways. Does that mean they are literally have run away from their parents They've, and they there's no contact? They're not going home at the end of the night. Right. No, totally. Literally ran away. And they're staying at this hostel. Staying in the hostel, which is the actually cave. like a cave in the ground. Yeah. Uh, and they have a white van that Chase stole, I think. They have a white van. Right. Okay, gotcha. Right. So that's like their ATM vehicle. They make that joke at one point. Okay, gotcha. So the... Confl- I mean, there's a lot of conflict already inherent with having all these kids running away from home. They're young. They don't know what they're doing. They've just found out all this about their parents, and that's crazy. Are they, like, is everything just about, like, teen drama and de- them dealing with this fact? Or do- are they actually, like, facing supervillains? Are they facing their parents? Yeah, they're facing their parents. Their oh, parents okay. are threatening to kill them. They put out a police warrant saying that they killed this girl. Oh, wow. And that they abducted young Molly. Oh, wow. Who's, oh, you know, on the 11 in this. Yeah. Uh, so everyone 30 is... 30 seconds them. remaining. Oh, man, 30, 30 seconds. seconds. Last question? Uh, last question. Um, I got I to gotta come up with something. Um, so just for clarification, uh, when you said the parents had this charity thing, that's just a cover. They're actually just doing bad, bad right. stuff. They just run the city. Okay. And they, they do their yearly blood ritual. Blood ritual. Yeah. Does that relate to anything, the blood ritual, that stabbing? There, there's a secret going on with oh, the pride. Can you they, tell me? They've got uh, something where the kids are trying to figure it out, but they steal a book and a decoder ring. Uh-huh. And they're Time's trying to up. find that out. Oh, time's up. So that's, that's it. That's it. Oh, oh, boy, I'm excited for you. I am excited to write this. This sounds really fun great you go and you have fun and when you see andrew send them back in for me will do all right well welcome back andrew as you know when we do your q a if you ask a question that eric has already asked i'm not going to answer it if i remember that he asked it yeah oh oh, okay so So hopefully you have a very poor memory (laughs) yeah so you know that's that's the rules as laid out on the box of cracker jacks that i had at a baseball game when i was a kid it was a very precious snack it said marcus when you're older uh, and you do a show called Sham Fiction, Nims the Rules. And I said, Dad, what does this mean? And he said, this is a really bad bit, son. You're in too deep. You should probably stop. 
And I said, no, Dad, someday I'm going to do this, and I'm going I'm to keep going with it way past the point where it could have been funny. It's definitely not, and we have people turning off the radio right now. And he said, son, you're killing me. You're killing me. Please stop. <laughs> and I said, all right, I'm going to start the timer. Two-minute Q&A, begin. Oh, my gosh, you're making me ask questions after all of that? Okay, here we go. Oh, man. Answer your first question. Yes, I am. Uh, who wrote on the Cracker Jack box? Uh, it was a wizard from uh, wherever Cracker Jacks are made. Okay, sounds good. Wizards make Cracker Jacks. Uh, so I want to know about more about this raptor. How domesticated is this raptor? It's going to, like, stalk around. It's hyper-intelligent. Uh, it doesn't talk, but she has the psychic link, so it'll do anything that she says. Okay. So genetically coded to whatever uh, Gert says. Can she, like, hear its thoughts so they, like, communicate no. that way? Okay. No, kind of like an intuition maybe, but not direct chatter. Okay. What – could you go into more detail about what Chance's gauntlets do? Do they just make him super powerful? Yeah, so he's got gauntlets, and I forgot to mention this. He has x-ray specs. Um, x-ray specs. Yeah. Okay. And so he has – these gauntlets are, like, metal big gauntlets, and they can create and shape fire. So he can make – things out of fire and shoot them out and like wrap fire around people really cool stuff very cool and they're called fistigons <laughs> yeah the, the, i love the name the name is great um carolina jean dean I, dean yeah. um so she can glow she can glow what are her other powers she can fly she can fly and she can shoot lasers oh wow and it's all kind of solar based so she glows less at night and if she wants to hide and look like a human, she wants that bracelet seconds back on. 30 seconds, last question. Okay, last question. Um, um, are any of them on the fence about like whether or not they want to be evil? Are there any that kind of feel more connected to their parents? Ooh, that's a good point. So at one point during the investigation, one of them mysteriously leaves a message saying, Hey parents, we understand, or I understand, I'm on your side. We don't know who left that message. So there might be a traitor in the runaways. That's, and Eric doesn't know that. That's good. He didn't know any of He didn't ask any of these that's things. True, that's I'm true. I'm surprised he wasn't more interested Time's in the up. raptor. Oh, there we go. Oh, there Time's up. But I am surprised that he wasn't more interested in the raptor. Yeah, I think he has his own raptor thoughts. He's okay. just ready to raptor about. <laughs> okay. And he asked different raptor questions. Sure, sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, so, I feel pretty good about right. this. Right. I'm excited. I'm excited for both of you to write this. I think you're going to have very different takes because okay. there's so many characters, so you'll latch on to different things. Yeah, definitely. And let's uh, send you out to go write, and right. we'll wrap it up. Hello, Sham Nation. We hope you're enjoying the show. While the guys are off writing, I wanted to get real with you in a way that only a recorded ad can get real. If you like our show, please hop on your favorite iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out there to more people. If you love the show and want to help us produce it, hop on coffee.com slash shamfiction. That's ko-fi.com slash shamfiction. And send us some money, love. If not, we won't tell anyone. Thanks for your support. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email, contact at shamfiction.com. Twitter.com slash shamfiction. Instagram is a shamfiction thing. I think it's Instagram.com slash shamfiction. You get the idea. We want to hear from you. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Our two writers have returned from their running away, and they are ready <laughs> to tell us a story about their adventures or any other group of runaways. So let's welcome them back. Who wrote a story for us today? 
Ooh, ooh, me. I did. I did. Eric did. Ooh, Eric, do you have a uh, superhero name for us? Uh, for the two of you? Well, for you, for you. I mean, if you feel like you know. No, can I? I can I name you? I think two that's instead? that's a much better idea. All right, uh, Marcus is uh, Captain Sexy Beard. I like it. Uh, because he's growing a beard and it's looking dang nice. Why? Thank you. And Andrew Neal is uh, is Cadet Furry Toes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't like my name. Oh. <laughs> Well, two bad names about hair. I'll pull rank on you. Uh, so I didn't know that we had the... Uh, we I didn't know that we had our choice of runaways to use. I thought we had to use the specific runaways that you pitched to us. Well, opportunity lost. <sighs> I hope you wrote a good one. Dang it. Should have done some other runaways. They don't, I'm drawing a complete blank on any other runaways right now. But you know well, what, like Andrew? Like Joan Jet, maybe, maybe. Oh, those runaways. That's very different. Andrew, I'm feeling generous, so I'm gonna say you won the coin toss, and you will therefore read your story first. Oh, hey, that's exciting. I it's can amazing. Do that. It's called the legitimate coin toss. You won. So I saw you let's do it. Jump right into it. Give us issue one of Andrew Neal's Marvel's Runaways. Okay, sounds good. Here we go. Carolina found her at the entrance to the hostel, seated on the ground, a dark figure silhouetted by brilliant yellow sunlight, Carolina's absolute negative. The scene reminded her of the futility of what she hoped to do. But this only compelled her. This girl's darkness was exciting and new, and seeing her now, sitting on the dirty ground, staring out into the daylight from the comfort of the shadows, made Carolina feel as if she were floating a sensation she had more literally experienced a lot recently. She had been approaching with careful, deliberate steps, but her excitement betrayed her. Her foot came down on an empty potato chip bag. The resulting crinkle more resembled the cracking branches of a falling tree. Nico started and jerked her head around. Upon seeing Carolina, she sighed with a mixture of relief and annoyance. She slumped her shoulders and turned away. Carolina's stomach twisted and her face grew hot. She had anticipated this type of reaction from Nico, no matter how she made an entrance, but in the moment, she simply couldn't stave off the embarrassment. What do you want? Nico asked without looking at her. You here to chew me out too? No, Carolina thought. I want to envelop you in my arms and my light and make you feel better. But what came out of her mouth was a scoff followed by an annoyed, uh, no. She couldn't help it. This was the kind of reaction expected of her. Carolina Dean, Hollywood princess. She hated herself for it, especially now, when it went against her most intense desire. Then what? Nico asked shortly, still without facing her. You gonna laugh? No, never, Carolina thought. But instead, Princess Carolina responded, came to see how you were doing. It came out in a you-should-be-so-lucky fashion. Inside her stomach was a knot. I'm great, Nico snapped. Thank you for your concern. Already, the princess wanted to turn and leave, like she always did at such rejection. But the real Carolina wasn't going to let that happen. Fuck your pride, princess, she thought. Say what you came here to say. She took a deep, steadying breath. Listen, if it means anything, 
I think you did your best back there. Was that so hard? She asked the princess, as her heart raced and stomach not tightened further. The princess was never so sincere. It made her feel exposed and stupid. You'll be fine, Carolina assured the princess inside her. No matter what she says next, you'll be fine. Then Nico said, Cool, thanks. Her tone was neither cool nor thankful. <laughs> Princess Carolina could not let this stand. She groaned loudly, sending echoes through the cave, and stomped over to Nico over crunchy dead leaves. Luck, she said firmly. I'm on your side. I get it. It's not like you can control your goddamn period. Regret enveloped <laughs> Carolina instantly. The princess part of her fled, leaving her true self behind for damage control. Her stomach knot became a double knot covered in cement and thrown in the fucking river. <laughs> for a few quiet seconds, Nico quivered beneath her black hooded sweatshirt, hurt and small. Then she abruptly pushed herself off the ground. Even in her thick-soled boots, she measured a head, sho head shorter than Carolina, but she planted herself met Carolina's eyes, and the power of her glare made up for what she lacked in size. Carolina had to cover a gasp by swallowing hard. Nico's beautiful gray eyes were wet with tears, and some had run down her cheeks, leaving mascara trails. Alex had been the one to explain it. He and Nico had been at Ralph's, grocery shopping for the group. They were in the frozen food section, arguing over the merit of buying frozen waffles, Alex thought it was stupid because they were living in a cave without a toaster or a microwave. Nico argued that Chase could heat them up with the fistigons. Then it happened. <laughs> when blood is shed, let the staff of one emerge. And so it had. Right there in Ralph's. A blinding light had burst forth from Nico's chest, and a seven-foot-long staff flew out, smashing through an open cooler door and striking a stock boy who dropped a full box of frozen orange juice concentrate, sending icy cylinders of not-quite juice rolling across the floor in all directions. A woman screamed. Someone called security. In the ensuing panic, Nico collected the staff and cast a spell of invisibility over herself and Alex in order to escape. When back in the hostel, Alex had laid into Nico in front of the group. How could she waste invisibility, such a useful power, in such a stupid situation? And why did the staff even appear? Where was the blood? <laughs> the embarrassment and hurt that crossed Nico's face before she stormed out had brought tears to Carolina's eyes. Now she was face to face with Nico, with the same pain laid bare in vivid close-up. Carolina ached. She wanted so badly to embrace this girl, to make her hurt less. Nico spoke in a wavering voice. You get it? Do you? Do you even get a period, you freak? Carolina's whole body began to shiver. She felt helpless and angry and stupid and a bunch of other things all at once. She actually wished that she could muster the princess now. That part of herself could at least offer some protection. The princess would lash out and return to such an attack and drive that attacker away. But driving away this beautiful, hurting girl was the last thing Carolina truly wanted, no matter how much the girl's words stung. Just leave me the fuck alone, Nico snapped. She shouldered past Carolina, heading back to the hostel. Don't let her leave, Carolina urged herself. Do something. She wanted to run up to the girl, turn her around, wipe away those mascara trails from her cheeks, and kiss her for real, 
unlike all those meaningless times with guys in school. It's not going to work, she thought as Nico grew further away, rustling trash and dead leaves with each heavy, boot-clad footfall. Say something. But nothing came to mind. Nico was about to run round the bend, into the cave, and out of sight. Say anything, princess. He likes you, you know, the princess answered. The sudden exclamation nearly caused Nico to trip. She caught herself and turned around sharply, causing Carolina to raise her hands up in a reflexive, defensive way. What are you talking about? Nico asked pointedly. Who? Alex? Carolina felt simultaneously relieved that Nico had stopped and stricken by what it took to stop her. Nico seemed disarmed in a way Carolina recognized, and she didn't like it. She hadn't provided a name. Nico did. A sinking sensation overtook her, a sense of loss. The princess filled the vacancy. You mean you don't know? The princess said with a smirk. Why would you think that? Nico asked heatedly. Did you even see the way we he chewed me out in there? He thinks I'm an idiot. Oh, God, are you kidding? The princess responded. She was relishing this. She loved drama and gossip. No! Nico shouted, followed by a confused, What? He was embarrassed! The princess exclaimed. All that crap about your wasted use of an invisibility spell was, well, it was crap! <laughs> Nico blinked. From the look on the girl's face, the princess could sense Nico's brain struggling to comprehend what was going on. Then Nico took a step forward. How can you be sure? The girl was on the hook. The princess smiled in what appeared to be satisfaction, but inside, Carolina Dean was heartbroken. The end. Whoa! Yay! Yay! Clap, 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 clap. Well done, Cadet Fuzzy Toes. Oh, God. <laughs> that better <Yay>. not stick. Ugh. <laughs> uh, so, really enjoyed that. Could you give a name for your worthy opponent so we can hear his story? I don't know. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, he's just so... He's Dr. McSexy. I can't even <laughs> say something bad. He's too good looking. Yay. Yay, I gave him fuzzy toes, and he calls me sexy. I can't do it. All right. Well, Dr. McSexy, your take of Runaways is up. All right, Captain Sexy Beard. Man, there's a theme going. We just... The amount of beard just clearly (laughs) determines Uh your rating. It's just just blocking the the brains. Yep, it's working great. I'm just going to read my story. Please do. All right. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. The decoder ring, despite looking like the prize you'd find at the bottom of a cereal box in the 60s, was loose around Nico's index finger, as if it were made for much larger hands than her own. My dad's hands, she thought, though she had no way of knowing whether that were true. It could have been made for any member of the pride to wear, but she knew it was her father who had made the ring. It had to be. If she knew her father, though honestly she wasn't sure if she did anymore, Then the ring had his handiwork all over it. How did anybody ever read this stuff? Carolina seemed to be asking the heir in the rear of the van. She was propped up against the rear driver's side wheel well, softened by a pair of couch cushions, the oversized book propped up on her knees. 
It's just a bunch of drawings of lizards and sideways guys that look like they're trying to sell me some Chipotle. <laughs> hey, when was the last time we ate? You want a burrito, LSD? Chase asked from the driver's seat. I could stop and get you something. Nico rolled her eyes. He had started calling Carolina LSD ever since she decided to call herself Lucy in the Sky. Diamonds were, apparently, implied. <laughs> Do we have time? Carolina asked. No, Nico said, absently spinning the Dakota ring around her finger from her perch behind the passenger seat. Unless the others got killed, then yeah, we got time. You don't think that would happen, do you? Asked Carolina. <laughs> Nico looked up from the ring to find the girl staring at her, eyes wide with fear. What are you doing? Don't say stuff like that, she thought. No, Nico said quickly. B bad joke. Sorry. I'm sure they'll meet up with us any time now. Carolina gave her a little smile, but Nico looked away awkwardly, adjusting the cushion she was sitting on and stretching her legs out and crossing her combat boots. All the rear seats of the van had been taken out, and several large pillows that Chase had stolen from his parents' house had been propped up along the periphery of the vehicle, providing space for the six of them, plus a very well-behaved velociraptor. <laughs> At the moment, however, Old Lace, Arsenic, Alex, and Bruiser were off on some stupid, sentimental mission, which meant that Carolina and Nico had space to spread out. So, that's a no on the burritos then, LSD? Chase said. No burritos, Nico said. Hey, I didn't ask you, Sister Gimp. He spat back. <laughs> Chase, be nice to Nico, the other girl yelled. Oh, it was just, he started. Apologize, Carolina cut in. Forget it, Nico said grumpily. Doesn't matter. It matters, insisted Carolina. We all need to learn to get along if we ever hope to take our parents down. We can't be fighting with each other instead of them. Nico looked up from the ring again to find Carolina staring at her, as if she had been the guilty party. Or was it something else? She glanced at Chase behind the wheel, who said, Yeah, you're right. Sorry, Carolina. Sorry, Sister Grimm. You don't have to call me that when it's just us, Nico mumbled. And it's okay. Maybe we can all get burritos when they get back, Carolina suggested <laughs> with a false cheer, still looking at Nico. Nico gave the girl a half-smile, then looked back at the ring. It was made out of some thin metal, like tin, and the top was dominated by a large, flat disc with letters arranged randomly around the outer circumference. In the center of the ring of letters was a dial, covered in 26 numbers. Nico took the dial between thumb and forefinger and gave it a little spin. It turned easily enough, aligning a new set of numbers which, with each of the letters on the outside, but Nico doubted that the numbers and letters had anything to do with the actual operation of the device. This was her father they were talking about, after all, which meant there had to be some sort of crazy, nonsensical magic at the heart of the thing. The question was, what triggered the magic? Suddenly, the CB radio on the dash chirped, and the squeaky voice of Molly Hayes came through with a healthy dose of scat static. I punched a guy and he's dead now, <laughs> the voice said. <laughs> Nico looked up sharply to see Carolina eyeing her nervously. Well, that's great, Nico said. Some more static came through, followed by Alex's voice saying, No, he's not, no, he's not dead. You just broke a lot of his bones. <laughs> he, he tried to stop us from stealing that dead girl, so I beat him to death. <laughs> Molly replied cheerily. 
Another chirp as the line went silent. Chase lifted the CB receiver and pressed the talk button, smiling. That's my bruiser, atta girl. <laughs> Another chirp, and Molly's voice came back, indignant. Call me Princess Powerful or I'll murder you too. <laughs> Molly punched a guy? Said Nico, astounded. I've seen her punch a Humvee in half. Sucks to be that guy. <laughs> a pair of chirps followed. Then Gert's voice came through the tinny little speaker. Hey, mission accomplished, and we're all still in one piece. Except the probably dead guy Bruiser punched and the henchman that got his arm made off by old lace. Princess Powerful! Came Molly's voice, sounding distant. Gert continued. Anyway, the dead girl's been dropped off at the LAPD with the info we dug up. Hopefully they'll inform her parents and they won't have to wonder anymore. Nico shook her head. Sentimental. Circle around to sunset and pick us up, finished Gert. On our way, replied Chase. Chase hung the receiver up and took a turn, stepping on the gas. The van rumbled and bounced under Nico. I give up on this. Carolina said, setting the large book on the carpet and sliding it towards Nico. Can you take a look? Did those drawings mean anything to you? Nico reached forward and grabbed the book, sliding it the rest of the way towards her. It was open to a page somewhere in the middle, pages rough but not brittle. Strange, bubbly hieroglyphs and pictograms completely covered the vellum surface, making it look like something you'd find in one of those ancient pyramids in the Mexican jungle. Though it appeared fresh and vibrant, as if inked by hand just last week, the antiquity of the thing was unquestionable. Gert's parents being time travelers was enough to tell Nico that much. <laughs> she flipped through a few more pages, confirming that the same pictogram language ran throughout the book. She sighed. The volume was the key to whatever the hell her parents, and all the runaways' parents, had been doing that night. Somewhere in these pages was the answer to why they had all been getting together year after year to stab random girls to death in some sort of weird-ass, black magic, culty sort of ritual. It had all been super creepy, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom level spooky. Of course, thinking about Temple of Doom just made her sad. It was one of her dad's favorite movies. <laughs> The two of them would watch it together when she was younger, before she got too cool for that sort of thing. Before her father had turned out to be some sort of psychotic, child-murdering, supervillain psychopath. Though the ritual made a sick kind of sense, considering her dad's affinity for Indiana Jones. Nico had actually been kind of surprised that her father hadn't slung a pair of ram's horns to his head and pulled the girl's still-beating heart from her chest and said, What was that line? Kalima, she said aloud, <laughs> grinning. Then the dial on the decoder ring started spinning on its own. It began slow, but then sped up quickly, glowing around the edges and throwing off sparks. Nico gasped. What is it? Carolina asked, sitting up. What's it doing? Nico looked from the spinning ring down to the book and gasped again, even louder this time. What's going on? Chase shouted, why all the gasps? <laughs> Kali Ma. That had been it. That was the trigger word for the magic of her father's decoder ring. Of course it was a line from an Indiana Jones movie. Nico stared in wonder at the page before her, as all the pictograms and hieroglyphs of men and animals resolved themselves into pure, well, understanding. 
where before there were nonsense images, there was now a wealth of information just waiting to be read. Guys, Nico said between pounding heartbeats, I can read ancient Mayan. <laughs> the end. Oh, good stuff. So-and-so sexy guy. <laughs> you remember. <laughs> Flawless. Flawless recall on that name. Uh-huh. <laughs> thank ah, you, thank well, you very much. Thank you both for writing such fun stories. Uh, remember, Marvel does not uh, accept unsolicited pitches, so your odds of getting any money out of this are zero. Oh, but there's so much Marvel money to go around these days. <laughs> there are uh, lots of Marvel dollars out there. But <laughs> I want to get into the judging. Before I do, let's let's do a little superhero thing. Why don't you two humble yourselves a little bit and tell me what the hardest part of writing your story was? Ooh, who goes first? We'll start with manly, hairless toes. <laughs> also perfect. That doesn't recall. really help. That doesn't that doesn't make it much better. <laughs> Appropriate amount of hair on his toes that no one ever talks about because why would you? It's so normal. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> oh man, the most difficult thing. Um, well, been a little rusty. Haven't haven't shammed in a while. Had to stretch that sham muscle again. Um, but most challenging thing once I landed on this idea was just trying to pace the scene out. Um, once I realized that I wanted to do this conversation between Carolina and Nico and trying to have Carolina, you know, come on to Nico in a way, um, it was just a matter of pacing out that sequence, like where to get in the you know, little bits of hope, where to put the turns in, where uh, Nico, you know, sh- uh, you know, pushed her away, you know, how Carolina would self-sabotage herself, just trying to find the right pacing for all of those. Took took a little bit of time to figure out. So, yeah. It's a big challenge, especially when we're working on a shorter story format. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot to squeeze in to try to create a complete scene, or a scene that felt complete at least. Well, how about you, Eric? What was your challenge in this? It felt like you squeezed a lot into this scene. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the the hardest part was trying to figure out how to include all six of the characters in here. Um, because this is it's a team-up story. I got a hint that, or it seemed to me that it was really important that this was about all of them together and how they play off each other they're a crew but they're also they're kind of a bunch of misfits and they don't know each other very well and they're i'm sure there's a lot of friction in the actual story so trying to fit in all of these characters was hard when really i just wanted to do a two or three person scene so i mean i did a two or three person scene but then having like that radio call in the middle where we got everybody else's voices i thought that was important yeah that was definitely a lot of fun but tricky. Tricky to fit. All right. Well, keeping that in mind, I'm going to have to announce the winner this week. <gasps> oh, it's a competition. It is. It is. And you should take your bitter rivalry with you into your daily life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Makes> <laughs> Guy, <laughs> Captain, really important. Sexy don't, face. don't uh, like... <laughs> 
versus but the Cadet good Naritos. news is this week i think we have a sham fiction first there is a tie what we what? have two winners this week what and Impossible. the winners without further ado are brian k vaughn and adrian no. alfana of course oh, okay they never mind runaways the best <laughs> of course they did uh, there's no way they could not have done they it did real good worse than us <laughs> <sighs> well but i can also award a runner-up because uh, who doesn't remember in those harry potter books who got second and third place in the house cup <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, typically it's it's uh, Bimblebop. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, Slimacroom. Yeah. Uh, and so second place this week, or our least loser, goes to Eric Carlson. Hey, oh, yay. you know Slimacroom always gets a bad rap, but. They're not that bad of guys. Yeah, well done, Slime Crew rep Eric Carlson. Uh, <laughs> and then here's our biggest loser, or to be fair, least winner. As <laughs> I like Andrew that better. Uh, I think. Uh, what was the name of that house? Pigeon Beak. What was it? <laughs> yeah, Pigeon Beak. You got Pigeon it. Pigeon Beak. Yep. Uh, Eagle Nobody Feather. Nobody ever likes Pigeon Beak. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Puffle Buffs. Uh, uh, so that was a hard call for me and I'm gonna tell you why I made it because both of your stories I really enjoyed and they tackled aspects that you can see in this comic so two types of scenes that actually would fit in well in a runaways uh, I appreciated the similarities that both of you called out Nico's combat boots <laughs> that was kind of a fun <laughs> you said thing she was that you independently goth. came up with <laughs> Uh, that's what you do you said you called her a goth yeah. therefore combat boots Spot yep. on. uh the the interesting thing was while you guys were writing i actually managed to watch the first episode of the runaways tv show Ooh, how was it it was good yeah i'm looking forward to watching more of it i think i'm gonna binge it when it's further along mm, okay but andrew your version of carolina was much more similar to the TV version than the comics version in terms sure. of having this kind of hashtag blessed presence on the screen. Okay. Hmm. So she's deeply Valley girl in the, in the show. Well, I don't know if, if Valley girl is so much a thing in 2017, but the kind of stuck up child of Valley girl. Maybe. I believe you mentioned or uh, I, you mentioned that the show is done by the guy, the people that do the OC, right? Yeah. Okay. That's that. That was something that definitely uh, inspired the piece because I have familiarity with that program. Ah, I did not <laughs> watch that program. Mm, it's a, it's a, it's it's for people probably, or it's probably not for either of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which means we're gonna have to sham it next week. Oh boy. Oh no! Uh, gosh, uh, yeah. So I, I really I enjoyed that scene. I think the the bit with the staff of one appearing in the convenience store was probably the most runawayzy bit of it all. There's actually a scene in that first arc where they go to a convenience store to try to get some food, and there's a robbery going on, and they try to stop it, and it just causes a huge mess <laughs> because they're completely uncoordinated. 
And it really sure. reminded me of that. I thought it was fun. Good. Uh, and both of you being very well aware of their need for food being teenagers. <laughs> that is a top priority. Was yeah, fun. yeah. I wanted yeah. to have that food in there. And, of course, I wanted the food that they were getting to be, like, not actual, like, good food. You know, they're talking about getting waffles, which it's like, why aren't you getting, like, protein or vegetables or something that, you know, it's actually good for you. But no, nope, we're <laughs> yeah. going to go for the frozen food aisle. Yep, get them egos. Uh and yeah, so I, I enjoyed all of that. I thought it was it was uh, good to focus on that individual drama. It made for a compelling scene. Uh, and Eric, I, I did, and this is what ultimately tipped it. I liked how you gave us the full ensemble because you you were able to hit the identity of a lot of these characters very quickly. And Molly, being my favorite of the Runaways, uh, you you nailed that. <laughs> that was really really funny. <laughs> Good. Uh, she's gonna marry Wolverine when she grows up. Ooh, who wouldn't? That's Molly's whole whole plan in life. That's so great. Uh, yeah, she's gonna be an X Men and marry Wolverine. Oh, that's fantastic. How do, how does how is she in the show? In the show, she's what pretty good. They, they've aged her up. Okay. Uh, and they've changed her backstory a little bit. And right now, okay. she's not a mutant. That was the other thing that happened while you two were writing. You guys took a long time to write. Uh, wow. Disney bought Fox, so they have film rights to the mutants again. So who knows? Maybe she'll become a mutant at some point now. They'll actually be able to legally say that in the show at yeah. some point. Yeah, could be. <laughs> so, could be. That'd be nice. We'll see. All right. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good show. It, it does, I think, lose a little bit having her be of age with the other characters. Yeah. Uh, because it was fun to have the naive kid. But I understand sure. why they aged her up for sources of on-screen peril. Word. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like that you got all those together. And you hit a thing that was, I think, one of the most vital elements of Runaway. So the, the relationships are key. But you also hit on how do you go from trusting your parents one moment to disconnecting them from your life the next? And that's something that they struggle with consistently throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that that really rang true with the bits on Nico and choosing to make her dad a uh, Indiana Jones fan, <laughs> which I don't know how canonical that is, but it's 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 perfectly <laughs> in line with the types of stories that they would tell, and goes along with you know having this kind of goth phase is you can't like anything in that mainstream pop right. culture zone. So yeah. I, I really appreciated that. Uh, and you obviously win bonus points for using Kali Ma as a critical plot point. Yay, thank you. Yeah. Oh, so, man, that was so flippin' great. I, I, <laughs> I loved I loved tying that in. And you're right, like, not that I'm familiar with the property, but just tying it into something mundane, having mm-hmm. the this... Because we're talking about supervillains and superheroes, you know, these big things, so that... The conne- having the connection being this just movie that they shared in their past at one point, or this stupid movie that her nerdy dad liked at one point, being this like important element was really clever and really satisfying. Well, that's really Brian K. Vaughn, too. He loves putting pop culture as important plot points in his books. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. That makes me very happy. Yeah, so it was, it was a tough decision, uh, but I had to go with my gut, and my gut loves Molly as <laughs> Bruiser, Princess Powerful. Fair. 
I do like that, Andrew, you also kind of latched onto these two characters. Like, in in the pitch, I don't know what how you felt about it. I mean, obviously you had an affinity for it, but, like, as soon as uh, Marcus was describing, like, you know, who each person likes, you know, that you have, you know, Chase likes Carolina, but Carolina likes Nico and all this sort of complicated stuff. That just screams teenager and, like, wanted to latch onto a piece of that. Yeah, I, um... It definitely, I think, came from the stuff that I've been watching recently. Um, like the OC? No, no, no. That I haven't watched that in a while. But okay. um, I watched the the film Lady Bird recently, um, oh, which sure. I just loved. And so writing something that was about teenagers and just having, you know, teenage drama was just something that I really wanted to do. I also watched uh, Carol, which is a film from a couple of years ago mm, yeah. that's uh, about a lesbian relationship. So I, and it's just about all about like the subtleties of, of, uh, like these, between these two women and their relationship. So I, I wanted to play around with something that was, you know, trying this one character, you know, on really uneven, you know, or unexplored territory. Like she just found out that she likes girls and she hasn't really explored this this much. And of course the one that she likes is the one that doesn't like her very much. So it's trying to play around with the what sort of lighter touches she could employ to try and try and uh, get there. But yeah. Sure. And my favorite thing that you did in your story, Andrew was, was you had this, um, this kind of dual nature to Carolina that there's Carolina and then there's the princess. And I thought that was really, really effective because it's very relatable. It's like you're in this, I mean, back to just being a teenager, you, there's, you can't be vulnerable <laughs> as a teenager because it's such a volatile time and especially you can imagine these characters where they're kind of off on their own for the first time ever and you have all this drama happening you can't just tell the person you like that you like them you have to put up the facade you have to still pretend to kind of be that person that everybody expects you to be uh because to do otherwise would be to open yourself up to hurt yeah so i I really felt that and that that came across very strongly thank you yeah, Doug. I, I really, really appreciated the realness of that. It rang very true. Cool. Yeah. So what was your experience with writing in this shorter format? You know, and, and this season we're trying to keep our word counts down. Uh, I know that can affect the pacing. Yeah. Um, no, it was um, it was a challenge. Again, the d- d- like I said, the, the the I think the hardest bit was pacing out the beats of this of this scene, um, because these these two characters are so at odds. They're such different people that trying to find a way that uh, Carolina could, you know, find a way in and just you know just different different tactics. I'm trying to employ several tactics throughout the course of the scene. Was just it was difficult to find the right place to to to, to place those, and because you don't want to move on too quickly, you need to let certain decisions have consequences, mm-hmm. and and that takes time to let those play out and have the pace still work. So that was difficult. In I think this is this ended up being just a hair over twelve hundred words. Mine did, so that that was a lot to fit in just with the even just with those two characters. Yeah, it's yeah. very rich for such a low word count. Thank you. 
Yeah, that's a this is a tricky challenge this uh, this season because we've sort of imposed this limit. I think we're being a little soft on enforcement. <laughs> the uh, the the word count police are not breaking down my door, um, but we're trying to kind of hit this sweet spot between a thousand and fifteen hundred words, and that length of story it it is very limiting because you, it's really hard to do a proper setup and a full scene and a payoff. You know, you have to kind of choose your one moment between characters and focus on that. And actually, I like that a lot. I think it's a great challenge. I think it's fun for me. It's making uh, like this uh, writing. Uh, this story was was actually pretty quick compared to most of my fictions on this show. Um, I think it also helps that we're doing we're kind of making the show a little bit differently now, you know, a little behind the scenes where we, uh, we record our pitch, and then we upload these recordings so that we can all listen to the pitches, you know, minus the, the two-minute Q&A that the other person isn't allowed to hear. Uh, and then I can just listen to that pitch, write notes, and immediately start writing the story. So it's a lot more live and in the moment for me, which I like a lot. Yeah, it's a Good. fun thing to feel like you're rolling straight out of the pitch session and into writing instead of having to space that out. Absolutely. It lets me kind of focus on what is that one little moment I want to find in this story based on the pitch. There's a, there's a fun quote, uh, and it's attributed to a bunch of different people, but it's to paraphrase, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something I think about in this format is... You really do have to think it through. You can't kind of circle around until you find your story. You need to know what your beats are going into mm-hmm. writing in this format. Yeah, true. All true. So any any last thoughts? What was the most fun thing that you did in writing this? Oh, fun things. Fun things. It was all fun. We're talking about teenagers with superpowers. What's not fun about that? I don't know. Andrew, what was the most fun you had? (laughs) I remember when I was a teenager with superpowers. Oh, yeah, that was was a great time. It was best... How many years is that? (laughs) However many years of my life. (sighs) Six? (laughs) Approximately. Uh, But, Andrew, I'm going to make you answer that question. Yeah, no, I I mean, I had a lot of fun playing around with those, you know, teenage emotions, you know, like I I wanted it again. The the perspective being from Carolina's, she, you know, she has some experience with with, you know, boys. I kind of implied that a bit, but like she's still a teenager, so she doesn't really know how to articulate what she feels nor does she think she's even able to because she has like this dual personality. So just playing in that realm and having these, you know, really strong feelings that you're not able to express. Um, that, that, that's what um, appealed to me about writing this scene. That's what I latched onto the most. Oh yeah. And your story had swears. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, Indeed. That was fun. I enjoyed the swears. Oh, they, hey, thanks. They do swear <laughs> sometimes in Runaways. It's just all special characters. So, oh, gotcha. I oh, assume sure. in the description it'll be asterisks and such. Sure. Yeah, it's hard to do in an audio format. It's just like, oh, you. 
Sure. Oh, what was that? No, I figured they're teenagers. They 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 like they're they're just trying out that the swears. They're they're testing the waters as far as the swears go. <laughs> oh, Can we start calling them cusses? Oh, they cuss so much, cussing up a storm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna just gonna be over here. <laughs> so I, I uh, really enjoyed both of your stories. I like that you had two different takes with some good similarities between them as well, both of which felt very similar to the source material. And if you want to find the source material, you got a few options. You can buy it at a store of books. One of them bookstores. Uh, it could be a store that you walk into or a store that is on your computer and or phone or tablet. Uh, sometimes I can just talk and things will show up in my house. I think I bought something to make that happen, but um, try it out. Just say, I want I want Runaways, why not? Otherwise, who's you watching one? you? Like, if it's just, like, you in your house saying things, maybe you are, maybe you do have superpowers. You know, I, I feel like we live in a superpowered age. Uh, you can sure. also try Marvel Unlimited, which is a subscription service, has all the old Runaways issues, and that's pretty fun. I, I subscribe, and the misguided thought that I'll be able to read lots of comics every year that I don't get to read, but it makes me feel <laughs> good knowing that I have access to thousands of old Marvel comics. And it also makes you feel good knowing that you're padding the pockets of the Marvel executives who should totally pay us for these excellent stories because lots of Marvel dollars, I hear. I think you should just watch their next output very carefully and see if anyone has any similarity at all to what you did and then (laughs) angrily post in all of the forums and Twitters that they stole your idea. I will do just that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cuss them out. Is oh what I'm man, gonna do. people who do that are so cool. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> nothing more fun than insulting comic writers who just love their work and want to tell you stories. And, and did you uh, say nice that comic the comic um, and your comic book shops, please, people? Yeah. Did you say that the show's on Hulu? Is that right? The show is on Hulu. Yeah, you can watch it on on the Hulu. It's uh, being released weekly. So I think it'll be done with the season about the time that you hear this episode. Fantastic. Cool. Should I should start with the comics, though. Start with the right? comics, yeah. Okay. They're, they're substantially different. The idea was that if you watch the show, you're going to be surprised by the comics. And if you read the comics, you're going to be surprised by the show. Oh. But the comics are just some of my favorites. Sure. So highly recommend. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, guys. We'll see you next week for another Sham Royale. Until well, then, well done, I well done, my you. opponent. I, I, next time you will not be so lucky. I will, I will step on you with my completely normally haired feet. Ah, uh, well, cadet, hairy toes. Uh, you wrote a cussin' good story. <laughs> cussin' good story. Thank you. I will give you no compliments. <laughs> no further just, compliments. Just please do remember. Until next time, you can't beat the dredge. They're pure energy. We're back! (laughs) Season two, baby! (laughs) Each and every other week. Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know.
Next time on a very slimy edition of Sham Fiction, Marcus and Andrew will go head-to-head to write their own versions of a film that, well, why don't I just let the filmmaker introduce it? Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <coughs> for my big scream premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Uh-oh. Special effects. Sex. Yeah. Violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Frights! Camera! Action! That's right, we're doing 1995's Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. See you soon. This has been a Two Jackets production.